It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and it is presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You guys know the deal. You go to betonline.ag, you use the promo code PODCAST1, and you get a 50% five zero. Sign up bonus, which is very cool. This week, I am giving away a free Madden at the end of the week to someone that takes advantage of either our SACS code or our Simply Safe code. Go to RossTucker.com sponsors tab to see exactly what those are. He is what those codes are. He is Joe Dolan. He's the man. I've gotten a lot of good tweets. A lot of good emails from you guys that are enjoying Joe so far. I am as well. Got a great delivery style, Joe. Happy to have you aboard again. You can check him out on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker. I think most of you already know that, but if you're new, welcome aboard. Former NFL offensive lineman, journeyman, five teams, seven years. Social media everywhere is at Ross Tucker NFL. And even though I'm having a poor year, because all my dudes have been injured, which is very unfortunate. I like fantasy football. So let's dive in. As usual, Joe, we will start with the Thursday nighter. And it's a really good matchup again this week. Back-to-back interesting Thursday night matchups. And I'm really curious to get your thoughts on both the Rams and the Seahawks. This is going to be a really interesting game. I'm thrilled with this. Look, maybe all we need for good Thursday night games is good teams. Um, but the Rams, I think, are confusing people. Jared Goff obviously throws for 517 yards in that track meet last week against the Buccaneers. But he throws three picks. And I'm not sure. Well, look, he came through for fantasy. Nobody's going to complain about that. But I'm not sure anybody would say, you know what? He's playing really well right now. And I'm very interested to see him go on the road here in Seattle and see what he can do. Last year in Seattle, one of his better road games from a fantasy perspective, even though he threw two interceptions, he also threw for 321 yards and a touchdown. So that was a good game for Jared Goff early last season. But there seems to be something that that's kind of changed a little bit in the, the second half of last year, maybe even after Cooper Cup got hurt. Uh, and things just seem a little bit different with the Rams. Now, Nobody's going to put that game entirely on Goff last week. He, The defense could not stop the Buccaneers to save their lives, but Goff made some, some bad throws, and he's been under pressure quite a bit this year. That newly constructed offensive line of the Rams is throwing him off his spot. And for somebody who I think is more of a programmed kind of a, a, a really – a rhythm player in the way Jared Goff is. That's throwing him off his rhythm. Um, that being said, Seattle hasn't really been challenged here uh, by the passing game through the first number uh, of weeks. Their last three quarterbacks that they've faced have been Mason Rudolph, Teddy Bridgewater, and Kyler Murray. 
There, the, it's It hasn't been a big-time challenge here for Seattle, and I think this is going to be a game where the Seahawks can be exploited a little bit. I really think this is a Cooper Cup game. It is a pick game. It's lined at 49 points. It's supposed to be a very high-scoring Thursday night game, and I wouldn't be stunned at all to see another 50-plus point game like we saw last week between Philadelphia and Green Bay. Love it. What What do you got on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods? And you know, I, I got to tell you, I think Gurley looks good, Joe. Yeah, he's not touching the ball a whole lot, which is a concern. Now, everybody's going to say, and this is, and, and I totally agree, he got 11 targets last week. And getting 11 targets is going to help matters from a fantasy perspective. I would much rather, just especially considering PPR and half PPR are the biggest uh, scoring formats out there these days, I would much rather my running back get 11 targets than 11 carries. But you also have to take into account that Todd Gurley only got 16 opportunities out of 98 offensive snaps by the Rams. So overall, that was a lower percentage, though he was out there on 76% of the snaps. So he's playing a lot, but he's not touching the ball nearly as much as he did last year. If you have Todd Gurley, you fire him up as an RB2 uh, with an RB1 upside, but you move him down to RB2 in large part because his floor is just so much lower than it was in the first half of last season before this knee became a problem. And it is going to be an issue going up against this Seahawks front seven a really good run defense uh that that's the strength of the seahawk defense that front seven let's get to uh the seahawks on their side of the ball i gotta tell you i love chris carson i just love the way he runs i i love his style of play uh russell wilson looked good against arizona what do you have for the for the seahawks Russell Wilson is the quarterback three overall so far this year, and this game's good news for him. It's lined at 49, and it's a pick 'em. So I would anticipate the Seahawks need a lot from Russell Wilson in this game. And look, if you have Chris Carson, the fumbles have been an issue. But uh, I've talked to our guy, Greg Cosell Ross. He said he looks really good to him on tape, and I believe it was Sports Info Solutions who tweeted out that Carson broke over 20 tackles this week, which is insane. Like, I think Sony Michelle is like two the entire season, and and Chris Carson's breaking nearly 20. He had a ton of work in the game against the Cardinals. He, he played 22. Uh, he got the ball uh, 22 times on the ground. He had four targets. That is what you needed to see from him with Rashad Penny inactive. If he came out and he put the ball on the ground again, there was going to be more incentive for the Seahawks to get Rashad Penny more involved. I don't think that's going to happen. And Carson's role in the passing game has been really important. I think the guy who benefits the most from this projected game flow, the score of 49, it's one of the top three line games of the week. That's going to be uh, uh, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett's the guy who's going to benefit the most from this. In uh, the two games where they've really had to score points, the Seahawks, he uh, against the Steelers and the Saints, he has 21, 233, and a touchdown on 26 targets. In the two games where they really uh, controlled the ball, there weren't a whole lot of points. Just five catches against the Bengals and the Cardinals combined. I really doubt this is going to be a 16-13 to 13 type game. I think this is a big spot for Tyler Lockett against a Ram defense that could not cover a soul last week, especially Chris Godwin out of the slot. Uh, anything else on receivers or my guy Disley for the Seahawks? 
Well, Disley, the thing about him is he took advantage of the matchup last week, but you also have to keep in mind, it wasn't just the matchup. The Seahawks had just traded away Nick Vanette, so there was more snaps available there to Will Disley. In his six full games in his career, he's actually averaging 15.5 fantasy points per game. Russell Wilson loves throwing to that tight end in the red zone. You'll remember a few years ago, uh, Jimmy Graham had that 10-touchdown season uh, in 2017. So Disley is going to take advantage of that in the red zone. I think he is a top-12 tight end rest of season. Um, they've, the Rams have given up a touchdown to the tight end in consecutive games, but no tight end's gone for more than 36 yards against them so far this year. So it's just a mediocre matchup, but Disley has the role with Nick Vanette being traded, and I think that's that's critical here for the Seahawks. Okay, let's move on to some of Sunday 1 o'clock action. This is an interesting one, if for no other reason than because of the quarterbacks. It's a 1 o'clock CBS game, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Carolina Panthers. And as you know, Joe, I have Leonard Fournette on my fantasy team. I don't know what got into him, but he finally ran – like the guy we thought he could be, it was glorious. Well, I wonder how much Reichwell Armstead being involved had to do with that. And this is just this is just speculation on my part because I think we're looking for answers about how a guy like Fournette could look so bad for the first month of the season and then turn it on the way he did against the Broncos. Uh, essentially, he took over that game. But Reichwell Armstead comes in and gets nine touches, and he looks really good too. I wonder if they were just feeding off of each other, but Fournette is still a hammer in terms of usage here. 84% of the snaps, and he had 32 opportunities, 29 carries and three targets against the Broncos. Uh, The problem for Fournette for fantasy is he has the most touches of any player without a touchdown. He's got 88 touches and has not scored. The next closest is Devontae Freeman, who has 64 touches and hasn't scored. So you would think that some positive regression is coming for Fournette in that department. So you look at the fact that he's getting the touches without the touchdowns. He still put up over 25 fantasy points last week despite not scoring. I don't want to overreact to Fournette looking amazing in one game because he really had not looked good up until that point. But you factor in the fact that his role is huge. You factor in uh, that the offensive line is probably going to improve as it gets a little bit healthier. And you factor in that this is supposed to be a low-scoring game here between Jacksonville and Carolina. And you you realize, man, this is another 20-touch type of game. Only one game this week is a, a lower projected total then Jacksonville, Carolina, that's Buffalo and Tennessee. This game's lined at 41, Buffalo, Tennessee at 38 and a half. That says a lot about Leonard Fournette. I would anticipate getting him getting 20 opportunities in this game again. And if you have a deeper bench, knowing Leonard Fournette's injury history, Ryquel Armstead looked like the real deal on his nine touches last week. He is a premium handcuff right now. Okay, what about the receivers and tight ends for the Jags? And, and even Gardner Minshew. I'm not interested at all in the tight ends. O'Shaughnessy, I know you're a big O'Shaughnessy guy, Ross, but uh, <laughs> he, he scored in two consecutive weeks. He is really only like a punt DFS guy, or if you're really desperate on the waiver wire uh, for the week. But the guy who I love is, is DJ Chark. Now, DJ Chark didn't really get it done for fantasy last week in a tougher matchup. Uh, Chris Harris was the matchup there for them. He catches four passes uh, for, for uh, 44 yards on eight targets, but his eight targets led the team and he lost a touchdown to a penalty. DJ Chark is kind of, he has quietly been like the Jaguars version 
of Terry McLaurin. A speedy th- guy who many people might have thought, ah, he's just a deep threat. D.D. Westbrook's the more complete receiver, and that's just not the case. Chark is big. He's a more well, he's a more uh, polished route runner than I think a lot of people anticipated. He he's been really good with contested catches, and Gardner Minshew is trusting him implicitly. So I really like Chark. I think he's the more talented player than Westbrook. So DJ Chark in this matchup, especially if the Panthers don't have cornerback Dante Jackson again, I'm going to fire up DJ Chark as easily as a wide receiver three, uh, and, and I think DD Westbrook is kind of a wide receiver four. That being said, I'm not terribly interested in Gardner Minshew. Um, the only two quarterbacks on bye this week are Josh Rosen and Matthew Stafford. Stafford, you might be starting in a deeper league. He's actually played pretty well this 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 uh, year. But with this game lined at 41 overall points, it's not really the type of game where I want to pick up my streaming quarterback. How about the Carolina Panthers and Kyle Allen and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like this in terms of usage, Joe. It's crazy. Do you know how many snaps Christian McCaffrey has been off the field in the first four games of the season? Take a guess. Three? Eight. And that was, I believe, when they put in Bonifun. When, uh, when they were blowing out an opponent a couple weeks ago. I think McCaffrey has played every snap in three of the four games this year. I mean, the, I don't know what else to say about the guy. We know, we, we've heard the running backs don't matter argument. Christian McCaffrey matters, bar none. The, the guy's one of the, one of the best players in the entire NFL. He is the engine that makes their offense go. He's the engine that allows North Turner to do the things he's doing. And he's the engine that allows Kyle Allen to come out and play efficiently, can check the ball down. That being said, I do think Kyle Allen had some problems last week uh, against the Texans with his internal clock. He had the three lost fumbles. He's got to speed things up. The Jaguars are going to want to get after him. But I think there is room for Allen to have some success in this game, um, given the fact that Jalen Ramsey, who knows what's going to happen, he might not play in this one. Oh, one more injury I need to point out. Uh, the Panthers just this morning put Kawan Short, their defensive tackle, on IR. That's big-time news for Leonard Fournette in this game. So we don't know what's going on with, with Jalen Ramsey. He could be traded by the time this game kicks off. I'm not really sure, but we do know that the Panthers have a big defensive injury with Kawan Short going on IR with shoulder injury. So I think this is going to be a game dominated by the running backs, McCaffrey and Fournette. I would agree. Anything else of note at receiver or tight end or even with Kyle Allen? Uh, for the Panthers. I'd prefer Allen to to Minshew in this game only because Allen's playing at home. Um, But also uh, keep in mind, Curtis Samuel, Allen threw the ball down the field a ton to him in this past game. I believe he had over 100 air yards against the Texans. He caught just three passes for 32 yards, though, on seven targets. It definitely looks like through two games, Curtis Samuel is the preferred receiver for Allen over DJ Moore, even though DJ Moore had more receiving yards in week number four. Let's move on to an interesting matchup. It is the New England Patriots and the Washington Redskins. Let's start with the Patriots. That's about as bad as I can ever remember them looking offensively, Joe, and I got to give the Bills a lot of credit. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen this week, though. Washington can't stop anybody. Uh, my, my friend Ben Fennell, uh, I used to work with him uh, at, at FantasyGuru.com, and also uh, he works with the Philadelphia Eagles, so I know him well from there. He tweeted out a stat uh, this morning, and I think it's Washington is giving up uh, an 83.2% completion percentage on third down. That's abysmal. 
Do you think Tom Brady's going to take advantage of that? Tom Brady was not happy with the way he played against Buffalo last week. There's no two, there's no doubt about that. Uh, he's going to come out PO'd, and I think they're going to come out and they're going to throw the ball, and they're going to try to get the ball in the hands of Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, and Philip Dorsett. I think this is a big Brady game. Now, while the Patriots are heavy favorites, maybe they get Sony Michelle involved. Um, I think you need a touchdown from Michelle at this point. I really believe this is a great bounce-back spot for Brady. New England is, is projected to score 29 points. Seven five points by the uh, by the proje- by the uh, projected team total. That's the second highest projected total of the week. And I think Tom Brady coming off a bad game is going to be a big part of that. I'm putting Brady back in my lineups, and I really like all three wide receivers. Josh Gordon against the corpse of Josh Norman. I really like Julian Edelman out of the slot and Philip Dorsett uh, as the number as a number four flex kind of play. I think you can use him this week as well. Uh, I'm so glad you said that about Josh Norman. He's terrible. I mean, he, he really, he is not very good. He was never All right, really on the a, other side, an athletic speaking. guy, right? And now he's not, he, he, he was a guy who won with physicality. He was never a super duper athlete the way you think of maybe even a Jalen Ramsey, but it, he just, he, he just can't run anymore. And that's a big problem. Right. And he was never that fast to begin with. Right. You know, um, what about, uh, he's good enough though. Wasn't he like jumping bulls or something this spring or something like that? Um, what about what about the Redskins and and their mess? I, do we even know we're recording this Tuesday at almost three p.m.? Do we even know who's starting at quarterback for the Washington we, Redskins? We don't, and I don't think Vegas really cares either. The Patriots are fifteen and a half point favorites. I don't even know who who you would consider to be their better option at the quarterback position. Um, I. I got to be honest, I did not see it from Dwayne Haskins. He was put in a bad spot, but that was a bad giant defense. This is not a bad Patriot defense. Uh, Terry McLaurin last week was the hammer spot for him. Unfortunately, he couldn't play. If he doesn't go, if he goes this week, I'd be really hesitant to play him against Stefan Gilmore. Gilmore's going to follow McLaurin, uh, and, and even if he doesn't, the Patriots secondary is phenomenal. I don't know who Washington's quarterback is going to be. So I'll be completely honest with you. There is one guy from this team that I'm even remotely considering for fantasy this week, and it's Chris Thompson because they're going to be playing from behind, and I think Thompson will get a lot of checkdowns. Wow. No, I think that's a good point. They should give him the, the ball more, period. Yeah, they you really know? should. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's really he their seems best like chance to like... sustain drives because – Peterson is such a game flow guy and you know he's always been a rhythm type of, of running back he said that when he was with the Saints a couple of years ago and he was only getting four or five carries a game that he couldn't really get in a rhythm well you can't get in a rhythm when you're playing from behind from two touchdowns in every game either so yeah Peterson he's a guy who's just like eating up a bench spot right now when do you feel good about playing him Thompson is by far more valuable uh, I'm with you I agree um, let's move on to the next game and that next game is the Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans. And again, as of right now, we don't know who the quarterback is for the Buffalo Bills. We do know that I, I thought Josh Allen was very disappointing on Sunday before he got hurt. Yeah, I will, I'll give you a, I'll give you another word, Ross. He was awful. <laughs> I mean, but there is this there is this quality to Josh Allen's play. I I actually consider him one of the 
most entertaining players to watch in the entire NFL because you literally have no idea what's going to happen on any given play. He can make the most spectacular play and he can make the most awful play anytime the ball is snapped. Sometimes it's on back-to-back plays. Sometimes it's on the same play. Sometimes sometimes he'll he'll throw the ball into double coverage 60 yards down the field and you're like, what the hell is this guy doing? And somehow his, his receiver will jump up and make a play on the ball. Um, he's super entertaining to play, but number one, he's got to protect himself. Tom Brady said that after the game. Uh, he's really got to watch because, look, guys want to hit the quarterback. And Josh Allen does not shy away from contact, but he's going to get himself hurt. As a matter of fact, he did. That's why he's in the concussion protocol. That being said, I, I do want – look, I did have a feeling that there, Matt Barkley was not going to get it done after Josh, Josh Allen left that game. Barkley actually came in and probably threw the ball more accurately and with better timing than Allen. But I just didn't get the sense that there was any sort of playmaking ability from Barkley, uh, certainly not compared to Allen, that was going to allow them to beat that Patriot defense. The bad news for the Bills here is this Titan defense is really good as well. Maybe not as good as that Patriot defense, but this is a good Titan defense, and I would expect the Titans will give problems, and defensive coordinator Dean Pease will give problems to either Allen or Barkley. Allen, he'll try to confuse with 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 blitz packages. Allen showed no recognition of blitz packages against the Patriots and Bill Belichick last week. And look, Dean Pease is going probably going to challenge Matt Barkley to throw the ball down the field, which he is utterly incapable of doing. Um, Allen's much harder to defend, but I think Dean Pease has the tools at his disposal to make this a hell week for either of these two quarterbacks. All right, what else do we need to know about Bill's skill guys, running backs, tight ends, receivers? The problem with Frank Gore right now is even though he went for over 100 yards in that game against the Patriots, he didn't catch the ball. He didn't get in the end zone. So 17 carries for 109 yards, and he got you only 10.9 fantasy points. And he busted off a couple of long runs, and that, that feels like that's about it. That's all you can expect from Gore. He's kind of a low-end flex, and that doesn't even take into account that Devin Singletary might be ready to play this week. If Singletary plays this week, I probably prefer him, but I would consider both Gore and Singletary low-end flexes. I think John Brown is playable each and every week. He had five for 69 against the Patriots secondary. And as much as I like this Titan defense, it's not as good a secondary as the Patriots. So John Brown is playable. And Cole Beasley, say what you want about the guy. He's boring, but he had 13 targets last week, caught seven of them. He is somebody who can be in consideration when you're in your bye weeks for your flex spot because he's going to catch passes and he's going to get targeted. The other guy people need to watch, of course, is the tight end Dawson Knox, who had three for 58 last week. Not somebody I really consider startable just yet, but keep in mind. The Titans did give up a huge game to Austin Hooper last week, so Dawson Knox could be on the DFS radar if you want a cheap option this week. On the other side, Titans, what was that? I mean, Mariota, that's the best he's looked in a while. A.J. Brown, talk to me about the Titans. Here's the problem. I don't trust the passing game, and I certainly don't trust the volume of this passing game, and that's why I'm not freaking out about A.J. Brown on the waiver wire. Look, if you want to go pick up a talented player – I, I, I'm not going to argue with you about picking up A.J. Brown, but consider what, what's going on here. He played just 44% of the snaps last week. He had three targets. Now, he caught all three and he scored two touchdowns, but playing just 44% of the snaps in a team that doesn't want to throw the football a whole lot is not going to cut it each and every week. And I still don't trust the upside of this offense because I think that was exactly 
how the Titans want to play. They want to be ahead from the start. They want Marcus Mariota to avoid turning the ball over, which he has done brilliantly so far this year. That uh, I will give him that. And they want to pound Derrick Henry, who got 27 rush attempts. Derrick Henry had 29 opportunities, 27 rush attempts and two targets. Marcus Mariota had 27 pass attempts. The Titans, ideally, every week would have Derrick Henry touch the ball more than Marcus Mariota throws it. So the guys that I'm considering here are Derrick Henry. Uh, this is a low, by the way, a very low projected game here. Um, I, I believe the uh, the line is just 38 and a half. It's the lowest of the week. And, and Tennessee is a three-point favorite at home. That sets up well for Derrick Henry. The Bills have had some problems with the run. It's been far worse for them than their than their secondary and their pass rush. You saw what you saw what the rush and the secondary did to Tom Brady last week. I'm going to take a wild guess and say this is the week Marcus Mariota turns the ball over. So I'm down. Corey Davis and AJ Brown are not on my radar this week. And I got to be honest, Delaney Walker just played 31% of the snaps. He had only two targets. You wonder if he was banged up. He wasn't practicing during the week. Potential problem there for the Titans. Delaney Walker, low-end tight end one, and Derrick Henry I'm playing in basically every lineup I can. Would consider him for DFS as well. Uh, otherwise, this is not a fantasy team that I'm interested in, particularly this week. Let's keep it moving. We'll get to the next 1 p.m. Eastern game, and it's the Baltimore Ravens. At the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's start with the Ravens. Sure. Lamar Jackson hasn't thrown the ball as sharply the last couple weeks as he did the first couple weeks. And I think most people, you know, if you're not out there writing hyperbole about how Lamar Jackson's changing the game and he's the greatest quarterback of all time, you probably understood that was going to happen after he played the two softies in weeks one and two. They played Miami and they played Arizona, two of the three or four worst defenses in the entire NFL. So Lamar Jackson throws the ball beautifully against them. Not so much the last two weeks. Uh, last week against the Browns, he, he made some wobbly throws. He threw three touchdowns but one of them was basically when the game was completely out of hand as a matter of fact there was just 30 seconds left in the game when Lamar Jackson threw the 50 yarder to Willie Sneed but the one thing Lamar Jackson is doing is now he's running he didn't do it week one he threw the ball beautifully in week one but he's been running the last few weeks he had 66 rushing yards against the Cleveland Browns to go with his I don't care that he threw three uh, two interceptions to go with his three touchdown passes the guy is I mean, if you if you consider him a better fantasy quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't have a huge issue with it because Mahomes doesn't run as much as Jackson. So Lamar Jackson, I think, has a higher, believe it or not, ceiling than Patrick Mahomes, just a significantly lower floor. But this is a type of guy who could go 10 for 27 from 95 yards passing and give you over 100 rushing yards. That raises his floor considerably. The problem is it hurts guys like Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown had a glorious matchup against the Browns who were without Denzel Ward and he converted just four of his seven targets into 22 yards not really what you wanted to see in a matchup where he had a big time advantage over a banged up Cleveland Brown secondary okay so then what does that mean for Ingram the running backs what does it mean for guys at, at tight end and receiver other than Hollywood Brown Andrews well, Mark, et cetera. yeah Mark Andrews I'm playing every week 
I don't, there is not another wide receiver you can consider on this Ravens team. I mean, look at, look at their snap and target distribution last week. Uh, Willie Sneed had two targets. Seth Roberts had five targets. Miles Boykin had three targets. Um, Chris Moore had a target. As a matter of fact, he didn't come down with the ball in bounds. That was uh, that was a lot of yards lost for Lamar Jackson uh, on that play. Uh, it was down the sideline. So they're playing a bunch of wide receivers. So the only receiver you can consider here is Hollywood Brown. Uh, unfortunately for him, tough matchup that the Steelers are going to give him Joe Hayden. And they got Minka Fitzpatrick roaming back down there, which also was a problem for Mark Andrews. Uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, wide receiver three this week. I would have ranked him as a wide receiver two last week. He didn't come through. Um, Mark Andrews, I think you play him every week. He did get in the end zone. Uh, he's just a really good player. But this is a tougher matchup against the Steelers. Who I think you would argue that secondary is the strength of their defense, and they really got to Andy Dalton this past week as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right, on the Steelers' side, they did some wildcat with Jalen Samuels. They did a bunch of those little push pass things. I mean, Jalen Samuels is on my bench. What 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 do you suggest I do this week? I think he's a flexible player. I think that's a word I kind of invented last week on the plot podcast. And by that, I mean not that he can contort himself into a pretzel, but that you can put him <laughs> in your flex spot. Uh, so I think you could put him in your flex. The problem here with Jalen Samuels is you might want to give this another week because two weeks ago, he played like 35% of the snaps and didn't touch the football. He comes out against the Bengals. He has 10 rush attempts eight pass targets and three pass attempts. He was one of the single most involved players in the entire NFL in week number four. When people were drafting Jalen Samuels during the summer, I think this is kind of what they envisioned from him. They envisioned because of his versatility in college when he played tight end, fullback, running back, H back, wide receiver. He did all these things in college. So this is nothing new. People were drafting him thinking he could have a role alongside James Conner. That is exactly what we saw. I think we saw the best of both worlds. James Conner ran the ball hard. He also had eight targets. He scored a touchdown, just like Jalen Samuels. Um, he had over 100 yards from scrimmage. So James Conner did a beautiful job. Samuels, I think, is, is somebody you can put in your flex. I really liked what I saw out of James Conner. He's a low-end RB1. The problem here for the Steelers is Mason Rudolph and their offense is just killing Juju Smith-Schuster right now. I mean, I came into that that week needing nine points to survive in a guillotine league, and I thought, no problem, Juju's going to give me that easily. He puts up 4.5 in a PPR. Meanwhile, Deontay Johnson's running wild down the field. So the Steelers right now, my focus would be on Deontay Johnson and Jalen Samuels picking these guys up off the waiver wire because I think these are two guys who could have some value the rest of the year. There is a big-time comfort level with Mason Rudolph throwing the ball to Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I, I, I kind of saw that as well. That was surprising. I thought it would be James Washington or maybe Juju, mm -hmm. but it was, it was Deontay Johnson who I saw last year at Toledo. I'm actually doing a Toledo game. Next weekend, they've done a What's nice a good job. team. Is yeah, it in they, the Glass Bowl? You're going to the Glass Bowl. It's not. It's at Bowling Green, actually. Oh. Um, that'll be uh, October 12th. All right, let's get to Cardinals and the Bengals. Yuck. Uh, I guess we'll start with the Cardinals. Yeah, last one in the building. Leave uh, turn the lights off on this one. Uh, then maybe maybe they should turn the lights off on this one before the uh, before the game even starts to to. Uh, 
not subject us to to watching this thing. Uh, the only thing that was positive for the Cardinals last week was the usage of David Johnson. Um, the Cardinals scored just 10 points. They ran a season-low 59 offensive plays. But David Johnson was targeted on 11 of uh, Kyler Murray's 32 pass attempts. I really want to see more of that. That's what we drafted David Johnson to do. I have got to be completely honest, though. I am really disappointed at how much this team has struggled to score points. And I think Cliff Kingsbury needs to take a look in the mirror and figure out why that is. They are playing a ton of 10 personnel and teams are just not having problems defending it right now. And if Christian Kirk can't play in this game, it looked like he might have that ankle injury. That's going to make things all the more problematic. Um, that would mean really it's David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald and nobody else here. If they don't have Kirk, they're playing 10 personnel with four wide receivers, and, and three of them might not belong in the NFL at this point. That's a big-time problem. They were throwing Trent Sherfield out there. Are you a big Sherfield guy, Ross? <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, so this could be a problem if Christian Kirk can't play. It's uh, And this is why I think Cincinnati, despite the crap, fest that they threw out there on Monday night against the Steelers are actually favored in this game because there are no faith in the betting markets about the Arizona Cardinals. They're, look, pace can only get you so far. And early in the season, it meant passing targets for Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. But if Kirk can't play, there is not too much appealing here about what the Cardinals can do offensively. So you knock down Kyler Murray and maybe you increase David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, but for volume purposes alone. All right, on the other side. By the way, I thought David Johnson looked pretty good uh, I did when too, he got some as a touches. Receiver. That was a that was a vintage David Johnson game as a receiver. He ran hard, he was elusive. I think Pro Football Focus had had ranked him heading into week 4 as one of the least elusive backs in the NFL. That is I, I, I think that's been a problem, but I don't think the offense is helping him too much. But he could get a ton of volume this week. I would be really interested in David Johnson as a as a DFS guy, especially considering the Bengals gave up 16 receptions to steal or running backs on Monday night. 16. So there's there's room to make plays here for David Johnson. Yeah, well, a lot of those were those push pass things. But yes, I maybe the, Maybe the Cardinals should run those. Yeah, no, especially with having a quarterback like Kyler Murray, you're probably right. Who are we looking at for the Bengals? Well, Joe Mixon, at least they've gotten him involved in the passing game. He got 20 opportunities on Monday night. He's just not going anywhere because they can't block anybody. Um, the The issue is, can the Cardinals take advantage of the fact that the Bengals can't block anybody. They got absolutely torched by Chris Carson last week. We, we talked about Chris Carson earlier in the podcast. So I think this is a good Joe Mixon week. And everybody, I, I, I'm, I don't even want to say it because the name is going to be out there, but everybody's going to pick up Tyler Eifert this week. The Cardinals are giving up like essentially double the fantasy points per game, uh, to the tight end position as like the second place team, which I believe is the Buccaneers. So the tight end position is absolutely torching the Cardinals. Will Disley came through last week. I, I would pat myself on the back for calling that on the podcast last week, but literally everybody in the world was on Will Disley. I just had to say it because it was so obvious. And this week it's going to be Tyler Eifert who had five, uh, uh, five targets against the Steelers on Monday night, but ended up dropping a touchdown. The fact that he got those targets in the red zone, though, I think are important for him. People are going to be in on Tyler Eifert for both DFS and season long. And then you look at the wide receivers. I'm still playing Tyler Boyd, 
But John Ross, uh, I think he went down. He uh, injured his shoulder or something late in that game on Monday night. That's a big problem for him. Um, if you are desperate, I think you can look to Auden Tate, the uh, the second-year wide receiver, uh, who has been getting a whole lot of snaps and a whole lot of targets here the last few weeks for the Bengals as he fills in um, for as he fills in for A.J. Green, 16 targets over the last two weeks for Auden Tate, especially will be somebody to consider for DFS against this bad Cardinal secondary if uh, if John Ross can't play. Moving on, another 1 o'clock game. This one's on Fox. It's the Falcons at the Texans, two teams I would argue are disappointing. Oh, very disappointing. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I, I know it went sort of viral, his response to that reporter. Um, I'm not really sure what to take of that. People thought the reporter was getting dunked on, but the reporter got a nice, good answer out of Deshaun Watson describing the coverages that the Panthers were playing against him last week. And I think Deshaun Watson's going to be pissed off uh, heading into this one, quite frankly, because he had two wide-open deep shots, one to DeAndre Hopkins, one to Will Fuller, and he missed them both. Um, the Will Fuller one really hurt me because because uh, I had him in some DFS lineups. I th- and Will Fuller, this is what I would say. He is, he is coming. He is going to break out soon. Watson missed him. Fuller is getting behind the defense. And keep in mind that Kenny Stills is banged up now. He left the game with a hamstring injury last week against the Panthers. I am going to call it. This is the week Will Fuller scores a long touchdown. This is the week. Deshaun Watson just missed him last week. And knowing Deshaun Watson and knowing what kind of player and what kind of quarterback he is, I think that's eating at him. He wants to hit Will Fuller on a deep shot this week. I would also recommend one thing. Don't throw passes with DeAndre Hopkins in the red zone, Bill, Bill O'Brien. Just don't do it. It was very, very dumb. Um, do, uh, and that honestly, that probably cost them the game because he called that gadget play in the red zone where there's not a whole lot of room working. Um, I think DeAndre Hopkins, despite the fact that he caught only five passes for like 42 yards, which is sub his uh, his uh, his standards anyway, he might have cost you a fantasy matchup by throwing an interception. Uh, so that that that's a game uh, of something they should scrap from their playbook in, in a big way. This game is lined at 49 total points. The the markets believe Houston, despite two not no shows at home, are going to score points. I would agree. I think this is the week for Will Fuller, and I think it's a big bounce back week for DeAndre Hopkins. I'll be playing both in DFS. Okay, what about on the other side for the Falcons? Oh, uh, this team's terrible. Oh my God! The, now the good news is they're playing from behind, so Matt Ryan's throwing for 300 yards every week. The problem is, can, can we get some of this to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley? What the hell's going on out here? I they just don't they they don't have a consistency to their offense. I don't think Ryan is playing very well. I don't think Dirk Cutter's calling good games. This is a big time disappointment. I, Muhammad Sanu getting nine catches that's well and good. He's a good player, but. Man, when you've got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley who can't get open, it's really, really problematic. I, look, the, the game's projected to be high scoring, so I would put both Julio and Calvin Ridley in my lineups. Ridley is really frustrating people, and I totally understand that. But this is this is a week where you, you just take a step back and you look at the numbers and you look at, at the projected game flow and you understand that they're probably going to be throwing the ball quite a bit in this game. So I just suck it up with the Falcons and... And I and I just eat it with 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 Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. I understand they're frustrating, especially Ridley, who had only one target two weeks ago and jo- goes for just three for t- thirty-two against the Titans last week. I suck it up. I play them. I rely on the projected game flow. 
The It's the third highest line game of the week at 49 points. So I rely on that. And I just really hope that Matt Ryan gets his head out of his butt and Dirk Cutter starts calling some better plays and getting them in a better rhythm. It, it's, it's very frustrating. Uh, the one thing I will point out, though, it was very good to see Devontae Freeman involved in the passing game because he's been getting nothing going on the ground this year, but eight for 72 in the passing game. That's going to cut it most weeks, and the Falcons are projected to play from behind in this game, which should mean more passing game work for Devontae Freeman. Bucks at the Saints. The 55-point Bucks against the Saints, who only gave up 10 points to the Cowboys, Joe. This Saint defensive line was awesome against a better Cowboy offensive line than what you're going to see from the Buccaneers. Now, first and foremost, how good is Bruce Arians at his job? I mean, the guy is just awesome. And apparently Byron Leftwich is the guy calling the plays, and he's doing a kick-ass job. So this is a really good Buccaneers coaching staff, and they've really gotten it uh, out of Jameis Winston. Here is the thing. You have to play Godwin and Evans each and every week. I don't care who they're going up against, because if you bench one of them, I know there's, there were people who benched Godwin last week because he came into the game injured. He was actually a game-time decision with the hip injury. Then he goes off for 12 for 172 and two touchdowns. Mike Evans gets the 67-yard touchdown. I don't care who they're playing. These guys, their ceilings are so high that you have to play them each and every week and understand that occasionally Jameis is going to Jameis and the ball is just not going to go to them and it's not going to go to the right place and he'll throw it to the other team. Sometimes that'll happen in uh, – both things will happen in the game as we saw last week against the Rams. Godwin and Evans are going nuts and Jameis still threw a bad pick six. So those things happen. You have to play those guys each and every week. The, the issue I do have here – is I wonder if this might be the game where, you know, the Bucks are riding high and 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 they're 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 an unstoppable offense and Jameis is is eating W's and he's all fired up and then they go and the Saints just punch him in the mouth. And I'm I'm wondering if that could be the situation here. I will be using some Saints defense on on DFS. Not because I don't think the Buccaneers can score, but because I think Jameis will throw the ball to the other team and I think the Saints will get after him and sack him. So I'll eat the points that they're going to give up because I think there's a chance that Jameis turns the ball over multiple times in this game. But uh, when it comes to the Buccaneers, you can play Jameis every week, understanding the downside that comes with that. Uh, You can play, you have to play Evans and Chris Godwin every week. And you wonder if this was finally the week that Ronald Jones took over the backfield. Uh, My friend Scott Barrett from Pro Football Focus tweeted out that Ronald Jones is their highest graded running back thus far this year. So your eyes are not deceiving you. He is playing significantly better than he played last year. He really is. And it's rare for a guy to put on weight and do that. But he is. I give him a lot of credit. How about uh, the Saints with Teddy Bridgewater? They're not exactly lighting it up offensively. They're terrible. They're terrible to watch offensively. I mean, Ross, I with Teddy, you, you respect everything that the guy has gone through, and you respect that he's obviously a, a a good he's a good guy, and he's a very smart player, smart quarterback. But I got shades of Sam Bradford watching him against that Cowboys defense on, on Sunday night. I mean, I I thought there was a better chance that a plane was going to hit the Superdome than Teddy Bridgewater throwing the ball to the sticks on third and 15. I I mean, it was, there's just no way he's throwing the ball down the field. And what that has done is there's been, there's only two players you can play for fantasy from the New Orleans Saints. It's Michael Thomas and it's Alvin Kamara. Now, fortunately, 
Teddy Bridgewater's utter, utter disdain for throwing the ball more than five yards down the field is really helping Thomas and Kamara because those guys are getting high target volume near the line of scrimmage. But those are the only two guys you can consider. And I understand why, at this point, why Sean Payton isn't playing Taysom Hill more because they haven't signed a third quarterback and they don't want their backup quarterback to get hurt. But Taysom Hill, as much as I don't like him because I'm a fantasy guy, I mean, you have to feel like he could give them some more explosive plays here, a little bit of a different look, because they sure as hell aren't getting them from Teddy. I guess we can move on. I guess that's all there is to say about the Saints. It's Thomas that's and it's crazy. Kamara. That's it. Yeah. Everybody else is drop. I, I just dropped Jared Cook for, for uh, Chris Herndon in a league. I, I, I'm just not feeling it right now. All right. We got the Vikings at the Giants. Is the Giants' defense a little better than we thought, or are the Redskins that bad? And the Vikings, I just can't take it anymore. I the cannot la- the take latter. it. The latter. They've cost me so much money. Uh, the Vikings did? Well, yeah, on, on how, Even Money Podcast, betting on them, killing me. Uh, oh, I, I'm not betting on Cousins. Cousins and Matt Ryan are like the two quarterbacks that I, I'm just not going to bet on anymore. Um, here's the problem. Uh, it, it costs you money. How about how, how do you think Ziggy Wilf feels when he's given like $150 million to this passing game that Mike Zimmer utterly refuses to use? Um, and look, this is on Zimmer, guys. I know Cousins is such an easy target. Like he's got the dopey face and the and the you like that. And there was that one time that where he grilled up these awful steak chicken looking things that and that went viral on like I think it was on Memorial Day. If you haven't seen that, look it up. But it's hilarious. He's an easy target, and he's and people love to t- call him overpaid. But make no mistake, this is the way Mike Zimmer wants to play football. He's all about getting Dalvin Cook. 25 touches is his magic magic number. And look, Dalvin Cook's awesome. Nobody's going to argue that. I love Dalvin Cook. I think he could be the best running back in fantasy this year. But you're looking at a coaching staff that has no confidence in the quarterback. Therefore, the, co- the quarterback has no confidence in the coaching staff. And the quarterback is now playing without confidence. And it's affecting everything around him. Mike Zimmer fired John DeFilippo for throwing the ball too much. John DeFilippo is the guy now coordinating Minshew Mania down in Jacksonville. So Mike Zimmer fired the guy who's got Gardner Minshew playing at a borderline Pro Bowl level because he threw the ball too much to these all-pro receivers, Diggs and Thielen. And Thielen came out and he said, look, this is frustrating. I'm open down the field. We're not calling plays. We're not taking shots. I think it was a call out of both the coaching staff and Kirk Cousins. But I also think Thielen, if he sits back and look, he could probably uh, kind of empathize with Cousins a little bit. Look, they're showing no confidence in you. And when they're playing from behind, they've got no chance. Uh, in a perfect world, the Vikings would come out this week and they would throw the ball around the yard or at least try to against a really bad giant defense because what happened last week against the Redskins, that was because Keenum and Dwayne Haskins were awful. I, I think in a perfect world, they should do that. Do I think they're going to? I don't have that kind of faith. So until further notice, Diggs and Thielen are wide receiver threes. I mean, you play Dalvin Cook each and every week, and he's always a great DFS option. They're five-point favorites in this game. So if they're playing from ahead, I think Dalvin Cook's going to get a shot to, shot here uh, to get his 25 magic 25 touches that Zimmer wants them to get. And you could take a prayer shot on Kirk Cousins, but this is a coaching staff that has zero faith whatsoever in anything to having to do with their passing game, and that shouldn't be the case. Yikes. And now Adam Thielen's like calling him out, and I don't know, man. It's not good. It's bad. 
All right, what about on the other side? Danny Dimes, Golden Tate's coming back from suspension. What do you got on the Giants? Well, Danny Dimes uh, looked like a rookie last week, didn't he? Yeah, two two interceptions. And, you know, people love to build guys up just to tear him down. I'm not going to do that with Daniel Jones. We all knew he wasn't going to be the, the guy he was in, in his first start each and every time out. And, he, you know, he struggled a little bit last week. If the Redskins could do anything offensively whatsoever, maybe the Giants are in a precarious position. But – they're they're down. Uh, look, they're they're five point underdogs, and this is a much tougher defense. Uh, this is a low end start option for Danny Dimes, though. Getting Golden Tate back means he's going to have three solid options in Tate, Shepard, and Evan Ingram. You play Ingram every week. I think Sterling Shepard is a locked in wide receiver three. Uh, Daniel Jones has 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 shown an affinity for him. Want to see Tate before I use him, but he's a good waiver wire pickup. And fortunately, Wayne Gallman Rossi did everything we wanted him to do. Right. He stayed in there on third downs. He caught the ball. He ran hard. Does that mean he's going to take over each and every week and score two touchdowns? I don't expect that. But I do expect him to play 70% of the snaps until Saquon Barkley comes back. And he did everything he needed to do to keep that role. So it looks like you're going to be able going to be able to get a solid return on your investment on your Wayne Gallman pickup off the waiver wire. Anything else Giants-wise we need to discuss? Now, just uh, Tate, Tate, I want to watch before I put him in my lineup. But if you use a speculative ad on him, he's I think he's owned in about half of fantasy leagues right now. So there's a chance he's out there on your waiver wire. Uh, I, I, I would do that. I would drop your worst player to pick him up just because Daniel Jones has given this offense a little bit more life uh, than Eli Manning did. All right. So let's get to the Bears and the Raiders. It's across the pond in London. Let's start with that frisky... Raiders offense, although I guess they're going against Khalil Mack and he's pissed. Fortunately, yeah. Uh yeah, Khalil Mack in a revenge game. Not where not the position I'd want to be if I'm uh if I'm Derek Carr. Fortunately, uh, Josh Jacobs got two targets last week. That's uh that's two more than he's had in uh, in or at least one more than he's had in any other game so far this year. So, yay, but they're still playing Jalen Richard too much. This is a really bad spot for the Raiders. I would have a hard time playing anybody. Uh, well, Jacobs I'd consider a flex. Uh Darren Waller is a guy who I just play every week at this point. And and I'll, I'll I'll be okay with Tyrell Williams. The Bears have actually had some problems with speedy wide receivers. Terry McLaurin um, got him. Marquez Valdez Scantling got him. Uh, Stephon Diggs. Uh, all the complaining we've been doing about the uh, the Minnesota passing game actually went for over a hundred yards. So I think Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller are the guys I feel decent about. Um, I will knock Jacobs down to a flex, and there is no way I'm considering Derek Carr in this spot. You know, what's interesting is given the Bears' struggles with uh, with speedy wide receivers, I wonder if Tyrell Williams might be a really interesting low-owned DFS play uh, for GPPs this week. He scored in two consecutive games despite not being 100% healthy. But like I said, even that struggling Viking passing game, Stefan Diggs was able to go over 100 yards. Uh, Adam Thielen was open down the field. I do think the Bears have had some problems with speed on the back end. Now, I'm not cons- I'm not going to cons- go out there and tell you you should start Derek Carr, but Tyrell Williams, if you're looking for somebody to might give you a little bit of a pivot away from some of the chalkier guys this week, I wonder how interesting that move might might be because the Bears have given up more production to wide receivers than you might think. Huh. All right, what about the Bears offensively with Chase Daniel? Does that change anything for you? Here's here's the best 
thing I, I've read about the Chase Daniel uh, situation with, with Chicago. Jimmy Kemsky uh, is an Eagles beat writer. He covers the Eagles for phillyvoice.com. And uh, I guess he was just watching the Bears game, obviously, because um, the Eagles played on Thursday night. So as opposed to having to focus on that game, he was able to probably sit on his couch and enjoy football. And he noticed that the Bear offense was actually moving pretty well with Chase Daniel. And he said, here's the good news for the Bears. I'm just paraphrasing, but this is it's good. He says, here's the good news for the Bears. They might be better with Chase Daniel. Here's the bad news for the Bears. They might be better with Chase Daniel. And I thought that was the <laughs> perfect way to put it. Um, I guess as of now, we don't know for sure that Trubisky isn't going to play. But let's just assume he 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 doesn't. I'd be very the, surprised if he did. Yeah, it looks like he's going to miss a game or two. Um, the The thing that I think you have to take into account is the betting markets have not moved this line at all. You know, the, the betting markets have hesitated to put a Buffalo lineup because we don't know about Josh Allen. Uh, they've hesitated to put up a Philadelphia, New York Jets line because we don't know about Sam Darnold. They didn't have hesitation putting one up for the Bears. That tells me that they don't see much of a difference between Daniel and Trubisky, and that is a big-time problem. From my perspective, though, it doesn't change anything about the way I look at this team for fantasy. I play David Montgomery as a flex. I mean, look, he had 26 touches and still couldn't get to 10 fantasy points. That's a problem. Uh, it was a tough defense for the Vikings. I don't think the Raiders defense is going to pose that much of a threat here. Uh, and, and I'll play Allen Robinson. Those are the only two players I think you can consider right now from the Bears, unless you are dying and take a shot on Tariq Cohen in a PPR league. Those are the three guys. And I think with the Bears as touchdown favorites, almost touchdown favorites here, David Montgomery is probably my favorite play of the bunch. Okay, the final game for episode one here, which is a lot longer than episode two is going to be this week, just the way the games are laid out there. It's the Jets at the Eagles. You already mentioned it. We don't know who's playing quarterback for the Jets. I got to think that that makes it tough for some of the guys. But what do you have for Lev Bell and the others? Well, the only guy I'm playing from the New York Jets, even if Darnold plays, if Darnold plays, maybe I'll take a shot on Robbie Anderson. But the Le'Veon Bell is the only other guy I, I can trust. The problem is, I believe the Eagles have held their opponent's number one running back to under two yards per carry in each of the first four games of the season. That's pretty insane. Aaron Jones had 13 for 21, and at least he had a touchdown against the Eagles. Um, obviously, Darius Geis in week one, Devontae Freeman in week two, and then Carrion Johnson in week three. All of these guys just could not get it going on the ground. This is a really good Eagle run defense. The fortunate part is Le'Veon Bell can catch the ball. Uh, Aaron Jones did that against the Eagles last week, catching six passes. So I, I, I make Le'Veon Bell a high-end running back, too, this week. Um Maybe I take a shot in DFS on Robbie Anderson if Sam Darnold plays, but Luke Falk was terrible last week. I, I can't trust any of these receivers if it's Falk out there. Uh, so so that, that's the thing from the Jets. It's Lev Bell and maybe Robbie Anderson, but Darnold has to play for me to even take that shot. Okay, what about the Eagles on the other side after what they did Thursday night? Well, they ran the living hell out of the football. And Ross, I always like to ask you about somebody who blocks well uh, on each and every podcast. Did you happen to watch Dallas Goddard in that game? What a monster in the, in the run game. Yeah, I tweeted at one point during the game, holy Dallas Goddard, when I saw him just cave in a D-end and dump him. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. 
So we're seeing why the Eagles struggled without Dallas Goddard. Basically for two games, he didn't play against Atlanta, and then he only played in an emergency situation, really only playing a handful of snaps against the Lions two weeks ago. But he comes out, and he was a huge part of their game plan, not just as a receiver. He did score a receiving touchdown, but in the run game. And I don't think it's a big surprise at all that the Eagles were able to run the ball down the Packers' throats, given that they had Dallas Goddard. Uh, I really like for DFS – I can't pick between the two because it's just a shot in the dark. With You never know how Doug Peterson's going to rotate his running backs. But Jordan Howard had three touchdowns against the Packers. Miles Sanders had several explosive runs. He ran for 72 yards. I think both Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders are DFS viable this week. Take your pick of the litter. I think Howard might be, and this is just a guess, I think he might be a little higher owned because people are going to view the Packers, uh, the, the Jets as being uh, as not being competitive in this game and the Eagles are going to be playing from ahead. And But I also wonder if the Eagles might use kind of a low stress situation here to get Miles Sanders even more comfortable. He's been running with more confidence. He had a nice game after uh, after the two fumbles against the Lions two weeks ago. I actually think Miles Sanders could go for over 100 yards from scrimmage in this game and uh, maybe get his first NFL touchdown. I wouldn't be shocked. He's going to be one of my uh, sneakier DFS plays this week. What about receiver? Want to see if Deshaun Jackson can play. Uh, there was a, there was some optimism that he was going to be able to go after they uh, they played both the Lions and the the Packers, and they get that mini buy right. He missed the Packers game, but they get the ten days for him to get ready. So I wonder if he's going to be able to play. Um, I I'll play him as a wide receiver three if he goes, and Alshon Jeffrey fire him up as a wide receiver two. He didn't have the best game against the Packers last week. He caught just three of his nine targets, but you could tell just by Alshon being out there what that did to this passing offense. He and Goddard made just as big an impact with their presence as they did with their on-field play. They just make them so much harder to defend, and you could see Carson Wentz playing with much more confidence knowing that he had those two guys out there. Excellent, excellent work as always. Professor Dolan already looking forward to part two where we break down the late games as well as the Sunday and Monday nighter. Speaking of fantasy football, Yahoo is on it this year, man. Daily fantasy at Yahoo is better than ever. Yahoo Daily Fantasy just released a new $500,000 contest. It's called the $500,000 Baller that has a first place prize of fifty grand. So definitely check it out. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash-ola. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. That's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. When you make your first deposit, use promo code POD25 for $25 in free play that's pod 25 promo code for 25 dollars in free play make sure if you didn't already check out the college draft podcast with matt waldman we were all over the ohio state michigan state game that intriguing utah state lsu matchup so some cool stuff for you to check out also Check out today's Ross Tucker Football Podcast, little Power Rankings Tuesday. See where I size your teams up. Other than that, Episode 2 will be in your podcast app after midnight 
I'm stuffed, but I left a little room for episode two dessert. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.